When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay, and I am delighted, as always, to be joined by Stuart Brennan. Hello there. And by Ian Cheeseman. You're right. And Ian, you've got a smile on your face. It was maybe the win against Arsenal, 3-1 in the Premier League. In hindsight, you might say it was a comfortable win for City, but a few nerves going into the game, but City made it look comfortable again and it was another maybe sign of the fact of why City are champions. Yeah, City got stronger as the game went along. I thought they played really, really well in the second half. Um, early on in the game, they got this uh, goal like they did at Newcastle very early. And I saw some people sort of suggesting on social media that it was too early. And even I wondered whether, you know, scoring the early goal might not be to their best benefit overall. But they scored the early goal. Um, obviously, you know, Arsenal got an equaliser through Koscielny uh, but once I think once Aguero you know got the goal uh, to set City in at the break I think I assume anyway that Pep in the press in the dressing room will have said come on lads you know you're playing well again now you, this is a, a good good performance keep it going and I thought they played really really well in the second half I thought that um, that goal by Aguero just before half time was yeah, absolute top top quality Beautiful. and like passed by Gundogan as well. I know he's been well. I know uh, Stuart's quite a fan of Gundogan from what I can remember, uh, and and I think so too. But there have definitely been people out there who've questioned his ability, and that pass in itself shows the quality that he's got. And there's a lot more to him than just that. But I, I, you know, if you needed an example of just how good he is, that was it. And it was a typical City goal. I and mean, typical City used to mean something different, but these days, typical City means slick passing good movement um, and, and just beautiful perfect goals and when they're playing that well as they did for that goal and through the second half then they're unstoppable um, and if they can carry on doing that at Everton carry on doing that against Chelsea um, but that's a big if isn't it but if they do do it like that then there's no reason why now they can't keep winning and winning and winning and keeping the pressure on Liverpool yeah, and of course, that's the only thing that City are concerned about. I know Pep will get asked every single press conference he gives, well, do you think of the title race? Do you think it was over or not? Do you think this would have been a pivotal result this weekend, Stuart, if City had, had dropped points? Do you think that would have spelt the end? Yeah, yeah, because every every time that happens, <clears throat> you're one game nearer the end, and that's what's significant. You know, the, you've got one game less to, to make it up. Um I mean, we spoke. Well, I, I was here with him when the radio lad spoke to, to Pep after the game, and he, he said that he was. Uh, he, he presumed that Liverpool would have a seven point gap after they lost at Newcastle City, um, and, and that it would be, a quote, almost over. Uh, and he, he sort of indicated that he thought that, you know, he, he said that was a general opinion that Liverpool would go up to seven points and it would be almost over. And he sort of said, well, I thought that as well, kind of thing, which is. Which is a semi-admission, um, but the fact that the fact that uh, Liverpool did slip up and, and didn't beat Leicester seemed to give everyone a lift. Um, I've written I've written a piece as well about the fact that the fact it was Arsenal. It, I don't think it could have been more perfect for City. You might say, 
oh, you know, you get Huddersfield at home or get, but I don't, I don't think so. I think Arsenal were the perfect opposition in that situation because it always has a big game feel when you play Arsenal. You know, they're such a big club with all the history and the glamour associated with them, so it always feels like a big match. Uh, and yet, the team isn't living up to that that stature. So you've got a team coming along that everyone thinks, yeah, this is Arsenal. We've got to be on, our, on top of our game here. The fans are up for it, but the team that they put out pretty poor to be honest you know City were very good but I thought Arsenal were poor um, defensively they were shocking at times um, so it, it was you know it, it was one of those that they, they, you rebuild morale by beating a, a, a team of, of a club of Arsenal's stature uh, and you get the three points pile the pressure back on Liverpool uh, I, I think next I mean obviously I'm, I'm sort of skipping Everton but next Sunday Chelsea at home will be a different proposition I think they'll be a lot tougher um, but if, if City can go to Everton and get a win again confidence gets built up again going into the Chelsea game and if they win that these three games this week I know Pep moaned about it he's saying you know the fact that Everton was rearranged in between the Arsenal and Chelsea games but the, the, the reverse side of that is if they win all three it really puts it puts Liverpool on the back foot they could be know. top by the end of the week if results went their way I know it's, that's hypothetical but they could but even if not you know Liverpool looking at it thinking City are really on a roll there they're beating Arsenal and Chelsea and they've got to Everton one which was, has never been an easy place for City to go um, it did really start to, to feel the heat a little bit so you know and I think that's the way City think these days they don't think the way we perhaps the fans do you know go look at Arsenal Chelsea we've got Everton away whenever when the, the team and Pep Guardiola think the reverse well if we go if we beat Arsenal and Chelsea and then go to Everton and win as well in midweek we're really going to pile it on Liverpool and I think that's what the you know obviously that's the intention but uh, if they do it it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool reacts yeah Ian I guess while we're on that subject of maybe the title race before we go too much into the game how are you how are you feeling with this title race compared, compared to where you were last year do you like the fact maybe that the pressure's not on City as much as it's on Liverpool well, I think the pressure is on City uh, I think the expectation level from the fans is enormous I think the owners you know have an expectation level with the best coach in the world and the quality of players they've got everybody apart from Mendy and company uh, although Mendy in theory is, is pretty much fit again I noticed he was in the tunnel club again last night uh, watching obviously wasn't involved uh, company we're not quite sure when he's going to be back but basically City have got everybody available so with everybody available now there is pre- I think there is pressure on City um, you know the, the number of points they've gathered isn't quite the same as it was last year clearly Liverpool have stepped it up uh, and have been outstanding this season and that that's why it's all very different. Um, but even then, there wouldn't be as, as many points gathered as there were last season at this stage or against the same opposition. So there is pressure to deliver. And I th- I think you could sense that, actually, when we went to the press conference on Friday. Were you at that one, no, I was, Stuart? No, I was up on Friday. Well, certainly, I, you know, Simon would have been there, um, Simon Bykovsky, and I was there. And you could, I feel you could tell Pep felt a little bit of pressure. And it's the first time... For a long time that I've sensed that his answers were a little shorter. Uh, he wasn't rude or anything like that, but his all overall press conference was a little shorter. His answers were shorter. And, and I felt as if he was, you know, just didn't really want to do that press conference, didn't want to fence those questions. And is feeling a little bit of pressure because the, the old days of, 
you know, if as long as City qualify for the Champions League and maybe get to the quarterfinals or the semi-finals of the FA Cup, and they're already in the League Cup final, and that being enough is not isn't enough. You know, they've got he's got to deliver trophies. City expect it now, and I think there is a little bit of pressure on him and City. Yeah, I guess by the time many people have listened to this podcast, they'll know the result on Monday night when Liverpool take on <coughs> West Ham. So my voice went there. I got quite emotional, quite teary-eyed. Ian's <laughs> in passionate plea there. But uh, what, what are your feelings on the title race at the moment, Stu? I like Ian said, there are pressure on City, pressure on Liverpool. Something's got to give. Do you think there is a way back in this for City? Surely if there's one team who can turn this deficit around, City have already done it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I spoke to Emerick Laporte about Newcastle. Um, and he, he he stopped short of saying that we have to win the remaining 14 games um, but he also said the fact that they won 18 on the bounce last season mentally is quite a big thing because they know they can do it they know they can they can put together the kind of run that they're going to need um, to to overtake Liverpool and you, you, you start looking at key fixtures then. I, know, I know City have got to go to Old Trafford but Liverpool have got to go to Old Trafford and uh, you can bet your life that United, the players, the fans and everybody will be going all out to try and stop Liverpool. You know, if they can set three points off Liverpool there. Obviously, they'll do the same when City come. But I feel that they want to beat Liverpool and they want to beat City. Yeah, those two games go head to head, don't they? This yeah, year, particularly. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, United will want to win every game now because that's what they're expected to do. But Liverpool go there first. And I think it will be a really tough game for them especially the way United are going United really want to you know they're playing well and they want to they want to put one over on Liverpool and, and put a dent in them um, by the time City go there again it'll be a really tough game but um, I, I would take City to go there and get a result you know a positive result um, more than I would Liverpool in, in this in the current climate Um I mean, I spoke to Ilkay Gundogan after the game, uh, the Arsenal game. I thought he was brilliant in that game, as as Ian was talking about earlier. Um, and he, um, of course, he's won the title under Klopp for Borussia Dortmund, and he's won the title under Pep. And I was trying to get him to talk about the two managers, you know, the how they how different they are in this circumstance, because obviously they're two very different personalities. Yeah. You know, Pep always seems a bit on edge and frazzled and wired up. I don't think he is. No. I th- I th- His hugs know. a bit more aggressive, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and, and Klopp, Klopp's sort of quite a little bit, a little bit more laid back, seemingly. And I wanted him to talk about. He, he clearly didn't want to talk about <laughs> that too much. But one thing he did say was that when he was at Borussia Dortmund with Klopp, uh, one of the big advantages they had was they were just playing Saturday to Saturday whereas Bayern uh, were in the Champions League they went all the way to the final Um, and he said he thinks that was a big advantage now of course both Liverpool and City are in the in the Champions League so that's negated but the fact that City are still in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup I think he was hinting that that might be a a bit of an advantage for Liverpool Um, and also he, he said the fact that Liverpool are ahead is an advantage well obviously it's an advantage you've got more <laughs> points but in terms of uh, comparing it to last season he's saying it's harder to chase than it is to lead 
um, is, is what he's saying. So again, he's handing Liverpool an advantage. Now whether that's Ilkay Gundogan just trying to Not push it all onto Liverpool and say, oh, they've, they've all got all these advantages, but we're still there. We're still chasing them down. Uh, I don't know, but he, he's quite a genuine, honest kind of guy, and I suspect he means it. Uh, and it's also sending a challenge to to their own team. They're saying, we've, we've got our backs against the wall here, lads. We need to start pulling results out of this. And I think that was what they did on Sunday. You know? It's like a siege mentality. It's like yeah. everyone's... Yeah. You, you sort of said to a lot of people, want them to fail, just say, how do you respond to Newcastle? How do you play against a team like Arsenal? And it felt like City had a real point to prove, I thought, when they, they played on Sunday. And I guess that yeah. straight away with that yeah, really goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Um, and like I say, Arsenal were the perfect opposition to to come up against. I'd, I'd, uh, Everton away will be a, a much tougher game, I think. Yeah, Ian, it's almost ridiculous with this far into the podcast. Look, forget anyone said Sergio Aguero. Yeah, um, what did you make of his performance on Sunday? I mean, it was another sort of reminder of just how good he is because sometimes you do feel that people take it for granted. My voice is, is, is going. Don't get so emotional, Rich. I mean, he's done it before. He is. I think he's scored about 14 at tricks. It's not that emotional. Yeah, um, but um, what do you make of him? I mean, as being a City fan, uh, we're going to come on to the wider questions about just how good he is, maybe in the overall spectrum later on but just on that game on Sunday his quality was the difference in some regards I mean it's not just down to one player ever but Aguero has got that ability to score I mean I remember Trevor, Trevor Francis spending a season at City and he and and maybe Nicholas Anelka you know are players that from nothing absolutely nothing can score a goal and Aguero fits that template for me City's general way of playing is to to create great team goals and certainly he had a very simple tap in and there was the one that brushed his arm on the way in Um, so you know those were team goals but with Aguero on the pitch you've always got the possibility that he can produce something special and I think that's what makes him a little bit different so even though he's getting a little bit older he may have just lost uh, shall we say a quarter of a yard of pace and won't go as far as to say half a yard yet um, then you know he's not gonna you know we've probably seen his best years but I still think he's clever enough as a footballer to be very dangerous for a while yet I think what impressed me I mean obviously the three goals were, were all tappings and you, and of course you've got to be in the right place to get the tapping so that's part of his job as a striker but what impressed me over and above that was his work rate which obviously he's up since Pep came in but against Arsenal I thought he absolutely bullied the Arsenal centre-halves. You know, mm. Mustafi must be sick of the sight of him. We saw what he did to him in the, the Carabao Cup final last season where he created the first goal for himself. It was Edison's kick-out, wasn't it? And Aguero just took a step back really smart yeah. and bolt, blocked Mustafi off and then went after the, the ball. It was, and it was, you know, he probably just about stopped short of being a foul. He just did, didn't quite do yeah. enough to foul him and... Uh, I've got an Arsenal fan giving me evil eyes over here, but uh, <laughs> one of our technical staff. But uh, we'll wait till we get on the ball. It just it just stopped short of being being a foul against Mustafi, and it, it was a brilliant bit of bit, bit of play, a bit of opportunistic play. Um, and he, he did the same again. I thought I thought he was he was knocking Mustafi around a little bit in that game. You know, Mustafi is twice as big as him. Uh, but he's, he's so squat and powerful and low centre of gravity and he, he was bashing him around and drawing free kicks out of him and, and just basically bullying him physically and, and in football terms 
Um, and that, that's perhaps an element of Aguero that we don't we don't focus on a lot. You know, the fact he is he is quite it's that sort of stereotypical South American dogged determination that I guess made Tevez so. Yeah, good, he, he has got a little bit of the Tevez. I mean, I don't think anyone's quite like Tevez. No. He was unbelievable. But um, he has got a little bit of that, you know. And uh, Otamendi, you see it in him as well. We expect it from him as a defender. You know, an Argentina defender, that's 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 what they're meant. You know, they fed raw meat, aren't they, when, when they're growing up. Um, but Aguero, yeah, has got that little... Pe- people that don't give him enough credit for that. You know, he's, he's got that little bit of spite about him as well. He's You know, he'll, he'll scrap for you as well as... Uh, as well as score you some great goals and and uh, and work for the team. Ian, you mentioned before. You mentioned Francis. You mentioned Anelka. For you, where does Guero rank amongst the greatest ever? Maybe Premier League strikers, not just City, but maybe a wider spectrum as well. If you want to answer the City question first, then he's got to be up there as as the number one. I mean, I don't see there's a, you know, Francis Lee in his era was an amazing striker who actually wasn't dissimilar in build and attitude and bullishness and physicality and strength and, you know, <laughs> bending the rules, shall we say, or going to the extremes of the rules, all those things that, that, that Stuart's just been saying, I would say Francis Lee had. So if there's a, as a second striker, after Aguero, yeah, which wasn't your question, it'd be Francis Lee. Um, as much as Trevor Francis only really had one season at City and I was only highlighting really the fact that he could score a great individual goals and that was in a team when City weren't at this level. Um, and to a certain extent, Anelka could do that too. Yeah. Um, but no, I think Aguero's on a on a different level and the, the longevity he's been around, the consistency he's shown, I think the range of goals yeah. he scores... In every sense, and different managers as well. I think different managers too. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. And that increased work rate that quite rightly have highlighted. All those things mean that he's peerless at the moment in terms of City. In terms of the bigger picture, I've seen the the quote. You know, the statistics that have shown Thierry Henry and Shearer and Alan Andy Cole and other players like that um, who've got my, maybe have more goals or whatever. And it's very very hard to compare. You know the players like that because they play in slightly different ways they play in different teams um but clearly as a as a city journalist stroke fan i'm going to say sergio aguero is is the best i've seen but i didn't see thierry Henry playing every week yeah. i didn't see andy cole playing every week and it's a lot easier to to make an assessment of a player you see play every week and I've never seen a better player than Sergio Aguero and in the, the odd moments that I've seen Thierry Henry or uh, Andy Cole or Shearer or whatever great great players that they were uh, I still think Aguero's got something a little bit extra Stu do you agree with that or is there anyone else that well, you think I think the stat showed until quite recently that Aguero was uh, the deadliest striker in Premier League history in terms of goals per game I think he's still number one right now yeah, in the latest minutes, stats yeah, yeah. I know Harry Kane was getting close I thought at one point Harry Kane might have overtaken him but um, you kind of think well Harry Kane's only been doing it half the time that Aguero has when he's been doing perhaps the time to judge him on would be when he's been doing it as long as Aguero has um, so I mean if, if you look at that stat uh, you could argue Kane is up there with Aguero but if you ask the 20 Premier League managers if you give them the choice you can have Aguero in your team or you can have Kane I, you can bet your life if they're being honest that all 20 of them would go for Aguero and that's no disrespect to Kane I think he's a fine player but I just think Aguero gives you that bit more um, all round um, threat 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, it gives well. It's not just a threat. It gives you more. You know, Kane's a good link up. Do you think well, City would be worse if they had Kane up front rather than Aguero? Then yeah, yeah. He's, I I don't think City would be interested in Kane. Not because he's not a, a very good player, uh, but because he doesn't really. I don't think he fits Pep's system. You know. Um, Pep doesn't like big players, does he? You know, he soon got rid of Jekyll. There was no uh, no messing around there. Um, he, he likes small, mobile, quick, sharp-witted players, and I, I don't think Kane particularly fits that bill. Um, and you know, Pep sort of turns. He didn't get on with Zlatan, did he? You know, and we all know what an incredible footballer he was, but he, he wasn't. He didn't really fit the Pep mold. So I don't think Harry Kane would uh, would come into Pep's thinking at all. Um, so no, I mean he's, he's a Guerrero all the way. There's no doubt about it. Another point that we need to discuss. And the Ashes distracting themselves now. The Arsenal fan, the producer, that handball <laughs> rule. Um, it's divided lots of people. It's a difficult one to take. I was reading that um, Sky Sports referee watch before we came on air, and Dermot Gallagher, the former referee, said it shouldn't have stood. He said because it was a handball. And after the game, Aguero sort of cheekily admitted it did hit his hand. That's just a fact. But there was no intention. So it's sort of a blurred line isn't it in, in that, that regard I know maybe as a City fan your opinion on it Ian is it was a fair enough well you told me before we started recording yeah, this I think that I saw there's a rule change coming in yeah I well, think Dermot alluded to it that apparently as of March for some reason if it hits your hand and crosses the line no matter if there's intention or not it won't be allowed or shouldn't be allowed if the laws implemented correctly if that's the rule and if that is the new rule I completely accept that but at the moment it, that isn't the rule um, I also watched match of the day last night and heard them say that if VAR was in existence, that goal would have been ruled out. I'm not sure that would have been a clear and obvious error by the by the officials because no matter how many times you watch it, it's very clear he didn't know anything about it hitting his arm. So um, it, clearly the, the, the arm had been sort of out from his body uh, and... Uh, and therefore made a, a, a significant difference to what was happening, um, then then it should be ruled out, uh, even if it wasn't intentional. But I don't feel that's the case. I think it, it hit his arm, yes. Uh, very little contact, really, but it did hit his arm. I don't think it made a significant difference to what was happening, and I certainly don't think it was deliberate. So um, for me, last night, that legitimately should stand. But I certainly accept that if the rule changes, that, that that's different. Different than than you, you you know different rules, you know if if they, if they introduce a rule at some stage that says you can't head the ball, then you can't head the ball, and somebody heads it in. You, well, the rules have changed. I'm not sure, I will cope in the national <laughs> league with that. <laughs> <laughs> we have long ball. Uh, you, I, you get in on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I saw about four replays, and I was still struggling to be hundred percent sure. Like maybe that third one from behind. We. Can't you, like you said, slow down in super slow-mo from an angle the referee can't see. Yeah. And then you get people on social media taking the higher ground saying, well, I've seen eight replays and the eighth one showed it was a handball. Well, yeah, but in real time, you didn't see it was a handball. And VAR, as far as I'm aware, VAR would be a case of, are you so certain that this, this was a wrong decision that you were prepared to overtake the referee's decision? And I can't imagine that any anybody watching it on VAR, you know, the video referee watching that would say oh yeah that's a clear handball you know from, from any of the replays I've seen the very fact that they asked Aguero after the game did you handball it you kind of think well don't you know yeah. <laughs> don't we know we still don't know at this point uh, and he, he held his hands up no pun intended he held his hands up and said well yeah I did, I, you know it, it was a handball um, 
I mean, of course, uh, they are. Did he say that, though? Did he say, yes, it hit my hand, or it was a handball? Yeah, There's a subtle said, difference, yeah. isn't there? Well, I think he said, he admitted it went in off, off his elbow. Kind right, of which is, but, uh, that's different than saying, yes, it was handball. Because saying handball is almost like admitting he did it deliberately. Whereas, no, did it hit your so. hand? Yes, it did. <laughs> we know, we saw that. We no, know it's his hand. For me, if it clearly well, goes um, in off somebody's hand, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be, and that's why that rule is coming. And we saw it earlier in the season with City at Wolves. Willie Bolly, when Willie Bolly handled the ball into the goal. Now he didn't mean to do that. He was trying to get his head on it, and it, it missed his head and hit his hand and went in. It was. It wasn't. wasn't and I got no problem actually with that goal. You see, <laughs> but yeah, but it's football. It's football. It can't be right that people Being are just to score yeah. with the hand. So that's why this. So if the rule that rule comes in, that's fine. It clears it up then, doesn't it? It does. Well, yeah. it does, but he wouldn't have cleared that one up. He cleared the Willie Bolly one up because, you know, you saw the replay ball. in slow motion, you thought, oh, yeah, that's definitely hit his hand. But again, I, I'm still, well, I, I'm convinced. But once, once I've been told that has hit his elbow and gone in, I looked at it and thought, oh, I can see why people are saying that. But I still couldn't 100%. If, you, if he had taken it, if you'd have sat me in a room on my own and not given me any feedback from elsewhere, you're not telling me Aguero had admitted it. I'd probably still be thinking. I'm not so sure whether whether he did hit his arm or not. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. So VAR wouldn't have cleared that one up. It would have clearly have cleared up the the Willy Bolly one earlier in the season. But you know, we have goal line technology, which is all about these cameras working out whether the ball's gone over the line. Maybe when this new rule comes in, that all the players have to wear some sort Magnetic of sleeve yeah. that means that if the ball makes contact with the arm, it registers for like the referee. Or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you on the uh, Premier League committee soon. Ian. <laughs> I think you've got some good innovative ideas for the Premier League and like you said though I think it's one of those issues that as you alluded to Ian if that goal doesn't go in City's still going to get another anyway so I think maybe in that sense it's irrelevant but we'll see what your mood's like when Mo Salah punches the ball across the line in the 94th minute for Liverpool tonight and see how you're feeling about the rule then but um we're at the halfway stage and we've got a very convoluted, wordy question from producer Ash today. Um, he says... He's not getting a lot of uh, nice not, comments not of, here, is yeah. he, really? I'll stick up He's for you, He's not Ash. sticking up for himself. <laughs> I told him he could have a mic and argue with you if he wanted. But... <laughs> Your question today, Ash, was... Sergio Aguero is City's top scorer in the Premier League, but out of the current squad, who is the second highest scorer in the Premier League history is that out of players who are currently playing we'll be back after the short break and we'll give Ian and Stu time to think about it hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast I'm joined by Ian and Stu and just before the break we left them the teaser Sergio Aguero is the top City scorer in Premier League history out of the current squad but who is the second highest scorer and well, we'll go first and be brave go on, I'll, be, I'll guess that it's Gabriel Jesus based on what he did as much before he joined City as since he's joined City I would say David Silva he's got double figures repeatedly he's uh, been, been there seven years eight, but no longer than that nine years so I think cumulative he's probably totted up more than everyone else who's quite a newcomer really aren't they including Jesus so I'll guess I'll guess David Silva well I don't have the numbers in front of me don't shoot the messenger but I'm told reliably producer Ash that you are both wrong and it is in fact 
Raheem Sterling. Right. That was the other one I thought right, about yeah. going for, yeah. Which does make sense. I think I'm not sure on his record before City so much in terms of goal creation, but he has he does score a hell of a lot under Pep's side especially, doesn't he? Yeah. But that's food for four. And we'll be hoping for another Raheem Sterling show on Wednesday night against Everton. We've already said how tricky that game can be in recent memories. Well, last season it was built up as one of the trickiest games ever and City just pushed them aside and just won with ease as they did to so many sides. But Ian, how are you feeling ahead of, ahead of this game? Um, well, I, uh, it's not that long ago that City lost 4-0 at Everton and um, and I'd say that under Pep that was the lowest point um, and they were mm, terrible really that day and, uh, and Everton were really up for it. So I know how passionate their supporters are. I know that you know, going to Everton in between these two games, the danger is that you see this as the weaker one. I hope that Pep doesn't, on that basis, field a a team that, whilst whatever team he puts out will be really top notch, we know that because they're all good players. That it isn't a, a saving certain key players for the Chelsea game. That he takes it seriously and goes for you know the strongest available eleven, and, and then worry about Sunday when Sunday comes around. Um, Everton have just lost at home so their manager's under a little bit of pressure you know we saw the reaction from City having lost at Newcastle is there going to be a reaction to Everton I find it difficult to predict this one um, and, and arguably this is the one that's the most dangerous of all three of them because A it's away from home and secondly the Arsenal-Chelsea games, you sort of motivate yourself, you're playing Arsenal you're playing Chelsea and I just hope that the City players don't think, as I said, that this sort of, well, you know, Everton's the the, the simplest of these three uh, and slightly mentally don't prepare as strongly. Uh, I know we talk about every time as an FA Cup game, but in terms of Premier League ones, do you think Pep is still hurting from that Everton game? We always speak about the Wigan game whenever there's an FA Cup tie, saying he doesn't want to take any risks. But that humiliation at Goodison Park for him, do you think he's still hurting from that? Well, it's the heaviest defeat he's ever suffered as a manager. So I think he will. I think he'll, uh, you know, he took it badly at the time. I know that. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll be. I don't. I don't think he'll use that as any kind of motivation. They, they don't need any more motivation. The motivation is to is to close that gap on Liverpool again, or you know, depending on the result, because we we can't we we recording this ahead of the game at West Ham. Slight Camp. design flaw there, wasn't there? But <laughs> yeah, um, you know, City will either close the gap again or they will possibly even move ahead. Um, so I, I don't. That's all the motivation they need. I mean, Goodison Park, City weren't particularly good that day, but as I remember it, they actually started really well and, and could have been ahead. But once they went behind, they just fell apart. Um, They've wiped that memory away a little bit. I mean, their performance at Goodison last season was just exceptional. Absolutely outstanding, you know. I remember uh, we spoke to Kevin De Bruyne in the mix zone after the game. And uh, De Bruyne isn't isn't the kind of footballer who would disrespect an opponent. Uh, but he said we were so much in control we felt we felt the control we had this complete belief in what we were doing we felt dominant and we looked at them and you could see in their faces they didn't know what to do now that's quite a thing to say about an opposition team but he wasn't being disrespectful to them he was basically saying we were so good that this very good professional outfit Everton didn't know what to do. He said that if, when they tried to press us, we played round them. When they tried to sit back, we played through them. 
So, uh, you know, they were just they were just utterly bereft of ideas. They were it looking, was, looking yeah. at the manager and not knowing what to do. And City were just so much on top of the game that they could have done that to just about anybody on the planet on the day. Unfortunately for Everton, it was them who caught for it. I just wonder, if I was Marco Silva, I would find that quote from Kevin De Bruyne and blow it up big and put it on the dressing room wall, I think. Because, uh, you know... it it could be seen as disrespectful taken out of context it wasn't but I think it could be taken that way Um, and it won't be an easy game Um, again there's something in City's mentality Everton were very much the bogey team weren't they for after the takeover it was almost as if Everton were affronted by the fact it could have been them who who Mm -hmm. were taken over by Sheikman so uh, and then they were further affronted by the fact that having having had this takeover and a big injection of money one of the first things he did was go and take their central defender Jolie and Lescott off them and that was quite an acrimonious transfer so there was a lot of bad blood generated then uh, I've written a piece today about the fact that Everton and City always used to have a lot of empathy because they both had to put up with that lot in red from down the road you know we were crowing on about the history and how brilliant they were for, Wrexham, forever in the day uh, Wrexham as well obviously yeah um, so there was like you know two teams who were always in quotes seen it's like the favourite child of the in, city weren't they they, they what sorry it's like they were the favourite child if, if if Manchester was a, was a parent it always felt like United got all the special treatment and City are in the hand-me-downs yeah yeah I mean people portray it as Everton and City lived in the shadows yeah. they never did because Ian will tell you that you know City were Getting City fans France. were quite happy to be who they were, they were, you know, they, they, their own identity was as important to them as it was to any United fan, and they revelled in the fact that they were underdogs, and uh, you know the fact that they put one over United every now and then, and and now it's turned on its head. Certainly in Manchester, it's turned on its head because City are the, um, the the better the better team certainly. Um, so that that empathy that they've had with with Everton has gone a little bit, you know, in, in the last eight or nine years. Um, but we're still hearing, you know, if you go on social media, you're still seeing Everton fans. Now they're probably just winding Liverpool up, but they're saying, "I hope we, I hope we lose. Let's roll over and let them have it." And you know, you get Liverpool fans getting extremely annoyed about this kind of thing. Um, now the, the, there may be fans. That, I mean, I, I was, I was, um, I saw an Everton fan who was a journalist at the game on on Sunday, and he, he said to me. Uh, he said, I've just heard that, that um, Marco Silva's one game away from the sack. Yeah, if they beat City, he's, he's going to get it. He's going <laughs> to... <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing that you, you're dealing with. You know, the, the Everton fans, I don't think they'd be massively upset if City went there and won because, you know, they, they've not got any... Especially if issues. City was to turn up and actually beat them by being the better side. They wouldn't begrudge that so much. It's just the manner of whatever happens on Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's Liverpool fans going back at them and saying, uh, as if they need to throw the game, you know, as if they were going to win it anyway. But very kindly, let City win it. But I, I, th- I think the point is that they're trying to suggest that the players are going to give it up. They won't do that. Heaven players are professional, you know. They'll go out. They'll want to. They'll want to do the best, especially after having the noses rubbed in it a little bit at Goodison last season. Um, I, yeah, so I just think it's that almost a deluded sort of fan point of view that you think 
an Everton player from overseas is going to purposely lose a game so Liverpool yeah. don't win the league they don't care any less no. to pit particularly about if a rival wins the league or not no they don't on the same basis obviously uh, Stuart's already highlighted and everybody knows Liverpool have still got to go to Old Trafford City have still got to yeah. go Old Trafford now you know there's a big debate among United fans as to you know do, do they let City win do they, they, they stop Liverpool and all the fans can say what they want and think whatever they want but you're not telling me the players which is what you're saying Rich are yeah. going to be at all influenced by that you're not telling bit. me that Paul Pogba Marcus Rashford and all these United players are going to be thinking oh we'll let them win today because that suits <laughs> and of course it's not going to happen nor is it going to happen at Everton um I think Everton are a very hard team to predict how they'll approach it and it might well be that their fans feel like that. But I tell you what, and I'm, I'm, did this happen last year? I'm trying to remember whether Everton took the lead. But if Everton take the lead or play quite well in the game, there's no way they're going to be thinking, you know, well, suit us if we, we concede a goal now. That's not going to happen. It's worth mentioning, they absolutely battered Liverpool in that derby that yeah. Pickford made the howler right at the end but they should have won that game at Anfield so yeah. it's not as if they are they've had bad results this season but they're not a bad team no yeah. no I think it's been they're, they're a team who can lift themselves to big occasions and this is a big occasion for them isn't it yeah. before we get onto the Chelsea game did you see Manuel Pellegrini's comments Ian ahead of the West Ham game tonight which one specifically the one saying first of all I want to win for West Ham and secondly I want to get the win for Man City I'm still a Man City fan you must, you've got, well, you I suspect West Pablo Ham, right? Zabaleta might be thinking that way as well yeah, there's quite a good uh, relationship between City and West Ham fans City like and you. West Ham fans do seem to have uh, an affinity and uh, it doesn't happen so much in this country but in other countries they do have sort of partner clubs almost where fans really you know do you know partner up with another club if it was to happen in this country um, it might well actually be that City and West Ham fans would be two of them um, I suppose because of West Ham being in the shadow of Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea and, and other big clubs down there uh, it's a very worthwhile working class club West Ham United as well um, whether that would happen I don't know but um, obviously with Pellegrini and Zabaleta and uh, you know and, and the fact that um, City fans have, and West Ham fans seem to have been quite respectful towards each other over the years might mean there's an extra motivation but again once he gets to, Zabaleta gives everything he's got in every single Regardless game playing, we've yeah. seen that throughout his career so he's, he, how can he give more in that game you know he might enjoy it if they win, I'm sure he will. But I don't think he, he would be going into this game any more motivated than he was last week. And Pe Manuel Pellegrini, all he can do is pick his strongest team and then watch from the sideline. So nice of him to say these things, but I don't think it really makes any difference. We, we left Sami Nasri out of this. Sami Nasri, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was a player who lit City up at times. Oh, lovely so player. Talented, such mm. a talented player. It's just a shame he, he just didn't seem to be able to to make any kind of consistency out of what he had um, but he's the kind of player you think you think you know he, he could really he, he could do some damage he could do some damage I think he's uh, been a big boost for West Ham that's for yeah, sure that, star quality it's a Premier League winner mm -hmm. coming in someone who's as classy as you said and he's a sensational player on and a lot day. to prove because uh, you know he'll very, feel very upset about what's happened to him uh, rightly or wrongly that's not the point but the point is now he, he feels as if he lost a year or two of his career and, and he wants to show that he's still got it so let's hope he shows it tonight Pellegrini <laughs> giving him that gamble but yeah I think everyone in this room is West Ham tonight 
come on the irons you'll be blowing bubbles tomorrow if they get the big result um, but there's also <laughs> another game for City oh, this week I'm not sure that's, we'll... a, that's a dreadful thought I might say <laughs> we can censor it out we'll be fine uh, I'm not sure when we'll be back later in the week but can't not mention the game against Chelsea as well this weekend it's an interesting one because the games against Chelsea last season were two well we had the the win at Stamford Bridge was such a convincing win for City last season the win at home was a walk in the park but those memories just before Christmas the trip to Stamford Bridge still fresh in them fresh in your mind Ian it's Chelsea haven't got a midweek game this week, um, which in theory gives them a bit of an advantage. Uh, I was talking to a Chelsea fan at length this morning who was trying to big up Chelsea, but we also know how inconsistent they are. Um, Sarri is obviously a coach under pressure um, because Chelsea's track record in recent years is that as soon as things start to go slightly wrong, they're not frightened of making a change. Uh, And he is trying to make a change. And Pep's a big fan, I think, of Sarri. And, um, you know, and and you can perhaps sense that he's trying to change the way that that Chelsea play a little bit but I still think that they have a long way to go to play the style of football even though they might eventually get there Um, you know Napoli were a great footballing side and that was when Pep used to wax lyrical I think last season when City played Napoli in the Champions League he was saying you know Napoli were one of the best teams in Europe and he said Sarri's in the top three coaches in the world absolutely so there's obviously you know a, a lot of respect there but I don't think I think Sarri must be feeling the pressure um, but you know they, they got hammered by Bournemouth then they bounced back with hammering themselves um, which Chelsea's going to turn up which is it going to be the brave Chelsea that go for it is it the Chelsea that looked a bit scared last season um I don't know. I, I don't, obviously, it might depend on what happens at Everton because if City have lost or even just dropped two points against Everton, psychologically, they're in a different place going into the Chelsea game. If they've won and played pretty well, and especially if Liverpool were to drop points, then they'd be flying high and I would expect them to beat Chelsea, you know, you know however good Chelsea was. But if something goes wrong at Everton or Liverpool have an emphatic win at West Ham, it's all in your head. At this stage, it, it's all in your head and I think that would have a big bearing on what the outcome is on Sunday yeah I guess Stu that is maybe the final point is that there's the big game to come every, I mean you get all these every game's a cup final sort of mentality but there's no point in maybe even thinking about Sunday because as Ian said it all comes down to what happens on Wednesday because it could almost be a bit bit irrelevant Sunday if you, if you lose against Everton yeah, yeah I mean it's the oldest cliche in the book about taking each game as it comes and it works. I've heard, I've heard, yeah, it is. It's, it's the oldest cliche because it's true. You know, cliches invariably are cliches because they work. And I've, I've heard footballers down the years come up with a million different ways of saying that. About the, and since foreign footballers came and we found whole new ways of saying uh, that you got to take each game. What's your favourite cliche? Just put on the spot. It's putting me on the spot, isn't it? I can, I can hardly remember what I had for breakfast, and you're asking me my favourite cliche. Um, it's almost a cliche itself, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, can't yeah well, I'll have that one then. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. But yeah, I mean, get Everton out of the way, and then Chelsea's a huge game. Um, it's like Ian said, you you see them go to Bournemouth and lose four nil and you think they've gone there's something wrong there you know Bournemouth are a decent side but Chelsea should be going there and, and doing them um, it's, then you start thinking have they had enough of Sarri are they, are they, you know they're not, not happy with what he's doing and it, you can't rule that out by the fact that they've then in the next game duffed Huddersfield 5-0 they kind of remind me of Pep's first season at City 
what Chelsea are going through at the moment. Just right. not everything clicking at the moment. It seems like you need more time if you'll get time or That's not. That's exactly and, what the Chelsea fan I was speaking to this morning said, you know, that when you, you look back at what happened to Pep in his first season, obviously losing at Everton was the low point. And, and now you look at Chelsea yeah. lose at Bournemouth and the same sort of thing. And I, I do believe that Sarri's trying to make quite fundamental differences in the way that Chelsea play. And that's a hard thing. The difference when Pep came in was that they'd sort of been laying the groundwork before he came in. Some of the signings that had been made felt as if they were influenced by yeah. Pep through Cheeky Begeristein. Um, whereas Sarri like, yeah. coming in is taking it in a completely different direction, almost from scratch. So it might take him a little longer. But whether Chelsea fans, um, board, owner have got the patience to allow him to do that is another thing. So what does he do now? Does he scrap for his life, change, compromise, whatever? Or, or does he continue to try to believe that he has a long-term future and he can make these changes? And that must be the quandary that he faces at the moment going into all these types of games. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, Chelsea uh, sitting at the moment fifth, fourth in the table, United right on their, their, their shirt tails. It looked like United were well out of the top four hunt not too long ago. The irony is, of course, if City beat Chelsea Doing on Sunday, United could find themselves in the top four before the end of the weekend you'll like that wouldn't you doing United a big favour listen if they beat Liverpool <laughs> yeah do a trade scratch their back they'll scratch yours I think you'll take a win against Chelsea it means United beat Liverpool further down the line to pay you back absolutely but as you said there's two games this week and City need wins in both if they are to defend their Premier League title but as we said they'll be made redundant by what happens tonight at the London Stadium so who knows this will be updated so quickly this podcast but that doesn't matter Ian and Stu thank you very much for joining us this week on the Talking City podcast please do tweet us any, tweet Stu Ian or myself any questions you've got for next week's show or next time we meet who knows when that will be and we will be back probably later in the week to look at the game against Everton and preview in depth the game against Chelsea please make sure to leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and we will see you next time <laughs>